Welcome to Same Geek Channel, episode number two for Friday, January the 11th. I am one of your hosts, Joey Mills, with Pop Goes the Culture and GeekDad.com and a few other joints out there that I contribute to. And joining me on the line tonight, I've got... Uh, Karina Lawson. I'm uh, the founding editor of GeekMom.com. I write for the Barnes & Noble Sci-Fi Fantasy blog and a few other blogs out there. We both have so many jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, too many. Yeah, that's all right. It's fun. Well, we are here tonight to talk television and entertainment with everybody. Tonight we're going to do a lot of the talking, but we absolutely want your comments, and we'll give you information on how you can leave those for us so we can discuss them on our next episode. And we'll give you that a little bit later on. Tonight, specifically, we want to talk about a couple things. First of all, we want to talk about what we thought was some of the best television and just entertainment in general in 2018. And we want to talk about what television and what parts of entertainment and pop culture we're looking forward to this year in 2019. But before we get to that, how was your holidays? Oh, it was very nice. In fact, I just spent part of the day today playing with my geeky new toy, which is one of those little arcade things that you can buy at Walmart. The arcade one-up, or is that what it's called? Arcade one-up, and uh, mine plays Centipede. I really wanted to get the Rampage one, but I neither had the space nor the buy-in from my wife that that was something our family needed. So <laughs> we did not get one, but they look really cool. How was it? How does it play? Oh, it plays great. Well, you do have to buy the riser to right. stand yeah. up and do a traditional style. Yeah. Uh, but it plays great. Um, and I have to say my husband bought it for me as a Christmas present. So this is why after... Over 30 years, we are still together. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he gets you. Yes, because he's just that awesome. So, well, very cool. Shout out to him. And uh, that, was, uh, that was really cool. We've been playing it. Um, the only problem I had with it is the first kit, there was a piece of wood that was wrong, and he had to return it and then reset it up again. But once he did that, it, it set up pretty easily. So. Well, good. Yeah, I've wondered how those play. I mean, I've played them at Walmart, but... That's not for an extended period of time, so I didn't know how well they held up and stuff, but it sounds like that you're enjoying it, so that's good. Well, you know, Centipede was my the only game that I didn't run out of quarters and could play. <laughs> okay. Pretty effectively. So, you know, you don't remember, but this is the, I didn't have an NES because I aged, it came out after I was like 18 and I was working. Oh, see, well, I still, I, I did have, but we still, at the, where we live, the mall had uh, the arcade there was called Aladdin's Castle, and I think mm. it might have been a chain, but it was a, like a small Midwest chain. But that was—I mean, we spent countless hours there Friday nights, Saturday nights, you know, putting your tokens on the machine so everybody knew who had the next game. So, so I do remember those days. Yes. The only drawback right now is that my son beat me. Oh. And he ended up getting the third highest score on it already. <laughs> That's all right. They that just means you get work to with, do. Yeah, so I got work to do. What other games comes with it? Because I know they come with what three or four games total. Uh, Millipede, which is just another version of it, and yeah. then there's something called Crystal Castles Palace that I never played, but and I was playing with that today. It's essentially a Pac-Man-like game where you you move around and you gather up all the jewels laid out. Right. And while you're being chased by other things, only it's with a trackball instead of the uh, 
So I, I was never good was, with those. <laughs> well, I'm not very good with jumping characters, and so there are parts where you have to jump levels, and I'm like, ah. Yeah. Um, and then it comes way. with Missile Command, and I hated Missile Command, and really? I still I hate Missile it. Command. Uh, well, I can't figure out how to, like, fire the missiles properly, so uh, I have to read <laughs> up on it, because now it's a quest to actually, like, not get killed in two seconds on Missile Command. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. That's going to be the bulk of your 2019. It sounds like your free time when you find it, when you're not working one yeah. of your 30 jobs like I am. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the best in television and entertainment in 2018. And I'm actually going to play us a little transition over there. Ooh, Ooh that was fun. I don't know why I just wanted to push the buttons. All right. Uh, so let's see. Let's talk about because I know there were some that we had that uh, we that we both felt was good in 2018, mm-hmm. and there were some that uh, individually we both had some different ones. So I know uh, one of the combined one of that we both thought was one of the best in television in uh, 2018 was the debut season of Krypton. And I will say that when it first was announced and when the initial teasers and trailers were dropped, I poo-pooed on this pretty hard. In fact, I was on a panel at Planet Comic Con in uh, 2018 with, among others, uh, Jason Inman, who at the time was doing the DC Dailies over on the YouTube Mm -hmm. channel. And he was talking it up, how how great it was and how wonderful it was going to be. And I kind of thought maybe that was just because he was still cashing a paycheck from DC at the time, that maybe that's why he felt that way, because I hadn't seen anything that made me think that this was going to be any good. In fact, it felt like they took some of the most interesting parts of the Superman mythology, and now you're telling a story on Krypton without those interesting parts. So I was pretty down on it. But we both had this as one of the top series for 2018. Do you want to talk about why it it broke away for you? Well, it it turned out, and I was skeptical, but for a different reaction. It was like, okay, what? What? We have Adam Strange. Mm -hmm. Why does he belong in the Superman mythos? And two, you know, uh, they cast what seemed to me a very generic-looking CW-type actor to be the lead. Or pretty much all the actors, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I was looking for a little bit more variety, and, you know, I probably, it turns out the fellow who plays um, the lead is actually a huge comic book fan, and he's adorable to follow on Twitter, but, you know, I was like, yeah. His casting did not excite me. And then as it got in, what it turned into was this political thriller. Yes. More than anything else. And then, you know, with the with the Zods, who were a fascinating mother the mother daughter combination was amazing to me and the way they played that out. And also they had a, a father daughter thing going with um and the I'm facing Yeah. And you know, how evil was he? Well turn well I Well we don't know. <laughs> We we but, we, yes we are sympathetic to what could be a potentially pretty it, it, there's there are there are no good guys in this show there are protagonists and antagonists only in so much as there are people that want things and there are people who are obstacles to them getting the things they want but it's very much a show that's that deals in shades of gray there are no uh, strong you know good guys and there are no mustache twirling villains 
And even um, the religion I found that they created was fascinating. Yes. And, um, you know, and then I'll be spoiling if I eventually say what that led into. Well, you um, know what? That came out in what? In the spring? So I think at this point we're probably okay spoiling that one. So if you want to yeah. talk in more depth, you can. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil the whole big reveal. But I am on a quiet um, social media group. It's a private one mm-hmm. with someone who is actually involved in the production of a lot of these DC shows. Uh-huh. And at one point, I think it must have been episode six. I'm like, you cannot end this with Candor getting stolen by Brainiac. Right. I said that. No, you can't do that. This is. I want an AU. I want to see what happens to all these characters, <laughs> and I want to keep going with them. And, and and this person was like, just keep watching, just keep watching. I'm like, okay. Uh, but, you know, uh, for those who are skeptical, and the first few episodes, I'm still not really sold on Adam Strange's role. Mm-hmm. I'm still not really sold on the whole Superman's cape partially disappearing. Yeah. That, that smacked to me of back to something the somebody put in for the network executives who wanted to be sure the Superman connection. Yeah. I agree. But forget all that because, you know, it's it's a political thriller. It's a religious thriller. It's got all this. It's great. Yeah, once you get past those early MacGuffin placement moments of here's the mm-hmm. cape and here's, you know, at the beginning I wasn't sold on the first episode because it felt very, you know, well, we know because you are dealing with an iconic Brand, city, whatever, you know, you, we know what happens to Candor. We think we know mm-hmm. what happens to Candor. So there's a bad guy coming, you know, Superman's greatest villain is coming back in time to make sure that Superman doesn't happen. You know, mm-hmm. it, it felt, it. I mean, and again, there are twists and turns throughout the season, but the way it was set up, it didn't feel right initially because of what we know. So, you know, we were led to believe early on that Brainiac is the threat. And then, again, twist turns. We'll keep it spoiler light. But um, it kind of felt a little false up front. But by the time, like you said, you get into a couple episodes in, you really don't care about that thing. And they, and they wisely, there are a few episodes in the middle of the season where you where they don't dwell on that thing. They they're, You're so caught up in the characters and their lives and those internal conflicts and external conflicts that... You kind of forget until Adam pops back up later on that, oh, yeah, this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is the the big thing. So, okay. And it does turn out to be surprisingly timely because all yes. of them are faced with a decision about how far should I, how far should I go with the power that I have? Yes. And should I go back on my oath? Should I, you know, do the wrong thing? to do the right thing or do the right thing, even though it's the wrong thing. And, and, uh, you know, that's where the Zod's really shown. And they did a great job of setting up the very cast with the warrior cast and the science cast. And And they do uh, it in a way that, you know, and, and it's not part of the Berlanti universe, but they could take a moment and watch and kind of see how, social issues are handled with a little more subtlety. <laughs> They're not mm-hmm. beating you over the head with it, but it's obvious what, what you know the parallels are, but it's not obvious because you've been beaten with that topic in the most, you know, obvious way. It's it's you kinda have to stop and think about it after the episode. So yeah. That was one that we both absolutely mm-hmm. agreed on. 
I know you have some others as well, so I'll let you kind of lead the conversation here. Well, I noticed um, one other show I wanted to mention right off the top that everybody's forgotten about um, is Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, uh, it's been a minute since (laughs) it was 2018, yes. Yeah, it was 2018, and I know I started to give up on it, and then I sort of came back a little bit when the generic good guy, S.H.I.E.L.D. guy went evil, and um, this year it just got dark. They sent him to this really horrible future, and they had to figure out, and usually I hate flash forwards, right. but this wasn't so much a flash forward as the whole cast was in the future right. that it turned out horribly, and of course they're trying to find a way back, but in the meantime, all the things that happened to them are actually real, Yeah, and they have to go back and prevent the thing. And what I liked about that is by the time they get back to the present, they're all so traumatized by everything they went through in the future, that they're all making sort of very emotional, bad choices, sometimes good choices, sometimes evil choices even, even among our very, very nice good guys. Right. And, um... Yeah, their trauma at what they experienced in the future is causing them to make the decisions that help create that potential future. So, yeah, it's it avoids a lot of those when you start dealing with time travel and paradoxes and stuff. It's The way it's handled in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. last season was pretty deftly done, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it was so dark, I had trouble watching it. I'm like, oh, there's, you know, uh, poor Yo-Yo. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, really bad stuff happens to these <laughs> yeah. people. And I usually like more hopeful stories, but, you know, in the end, it, it does you know, they do prevent the earth from being shattered. Right. And, apart. Yeah. You know, spoiler, you know. Yeah, we're all still here for the next universe, season. So. The earth doesn't blow up, so. It would have been but nice to maybe have ended with a snap, but I keep wanting that from all these Marvel <laughs> shows, and I'm never going to get it, I know, but I keep hoping. <laughs> it would be nice. Uh, and then a couple yeah. other shows that were this summer. I wanted to mention Jessica Jones Season 2, um, because sometimes it seems like it just came and went. Right. And, again, um, I know people were like, ah, it's not quite as good as season one. And there, it did drag here and there. But, again, it was the really screwed up mother-daughter relationship that had me hooked. And the actress, um, Janet McTeer, who they got to play Jessica's mother. And yes. I'm giving away a huge spoiler. Sorry, guys. Well, it's yes in and May, no. <laughs> so I'm going to spoil it for you. And Her you find out. Back. And it's by the middle of the season that you know what's going on so it's not right and her mother is just so gleefully screwed up but yet it's sort of like all of you know poor you see why jessica is what she is and it wasn't just um what she went through um with kilgrave right you know you see a lot of her past you see trish struggling with trying to be relevant, trying to be a hero that she wants to be, and, you know. Personally, I didn't care for the second season really Mm -hmm. at all because I Mm -hmm. felt like, it it felt like one of those shows where at the end of the season I was like, I have no hope for anybody or anything. The most likable characters, Malcolm is quote-unquote evil by the end of the season i was just it was such a bleak dark and i know it was probably the second act of a three-act plan i'm sure there's a redemptive third season 
somewhere in somebody's notebook or actually I think they're working on a third season still. I think that's still in production. They haven't canceled that one yet, but um, I just, I, boy, I struggled to get through all the episodes on that one just because it was so, I don't know. I, it, it, it just didn't appeal to my sensibilities, but I know a lot of other folks that have feel both ways. It's, it's not a season that had a lot of middle ground. You either absolutely loved it or you absolutely didn't care for it. And unfortunately it didn't hit with me, but I'm glad it did with you. Well, it, to me, it was about the choices you make that either make you a villain or a hero. Right. And as you're watching the mother struggle, you're, you, you almost forget that, like, the, what happened to the people that she encountered in the beginning, you know, that she killed. You know, as she's trying to connect with Jessica, and you realize she's not, she's not all there. Right, and then Jessica has to start to make a choice, and then she finally realizes the choice that she's going to make is not a good one. That's there, either going to make no, her yeah. a hero or not a hero anymore. And then, of course, there's the the twist at the end that you know Jessica realizes they can't run anymore. Right, and you know it's so that that's what I found really interesting emotionally: the choices that you make. And the ones that you can come back from if they're wrong ones and the ones that you just can't come back from. Now, I will tell you, there's a series that did make my list that dealt with a lot of those same themes. But for whatever reason, this one landed with me a little bit better. And that was Legion Season 2. Have you gotten into Legion at all over on FX? I haven't. And it's a little bit personal why I haven't watched it. I have, <laughs> generally speaking, have a lot of problems with the way uh, superhero stories handle me- mental illness right as it's a, uh, an aspect of power and um probably because i have some close relatives who are dealing with some mental illness issues right um so it just it, as entertainment i just you know it's one of those shows that i chose not to watch mm-hmm. that so series that's why i haven't gotten into it that so. series for me does that series, especially after watching, because we both watch so much of pretty, I'll call it pretty formulaic shows, whether it's superhero shows or whatever, a lot of these, you know, it's, you kind of see the same thing over and over and over, hour after hour, with a small twist, depending on the series, but that, to me, is like reading prose. It's just like reading a novel, watching TV, they, they're similar to me as far as an entertainment value. But Legion is like reading poetry compared to reading prose. Watching Legion is so much different than watching any of these other series. It's just visually, um, just narratively, they sometimes you will sit down and <laughs> you'll be like, did I miss like four episodes? Because they don't tell a linear story. It is all very right. much, this is the episode and it's going to be weird as hell, and at the end of it, you're not really going to be 100% sure what you just watched, but you will be not only entertained, but you'll walk away thinking, wow, what was that? And that, to me, is <laughs> is Legion in a nutshell, and it's hard to describe it really at all, but if again, it would, it would be like visual and auditory poetry as opposed to just the typical, you know, superhero straight narrative fare that we get with a lot of these, so... Well, I think you described it very well. I hope so. <laughs> I will, 
I'll avoid it, but you did, you make me interested. So now I have something to tell my grown kids if they want to watch something. Yeah. Um, there is one sequence towards the end of the second season, and it may be the finale. And I think it is the sequence that opens this season two finale. And if there's a way to find that on YouTube, it is certainly worth it. They they have these two characters who are strong, like the two most powerful telepaths in the universe. They're fighting each other in the desert. Physically, all they're doing is standing there looking at each other. And they do this kind of neon, weird like drawings above their heads of the this whole fight that they're going through. And it is just one of the most beautiful, odd, strange things to watch. And I, if it's available somewhere, it's definitely worth the time to just watch it. And then the whole time, the lead actor, Dan Stevens, is uh, singing, I forget the name of the song, but I can sing it terribly. It, you know, it's, no one knows what it's like to be the bad man. And that, that song from The Who, and that he's singing it in this weird, totally discordant, it's just a odd thing and it's just it's fantastic to watch and i will stop talking about legion but it is definitely worth the time to look up that that particular sequence in in, in particular the way you describe it in a way reminds me of why i love um marvelous ms mazel mm-hmm. so much um and not um they're not similar in shows right but i've been watching it set for those wondering it's set in the 1950s she's the character is loosely based on Joan Rivers' career from the late um, 50s onward. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so beautifully produced, uh, probably because they only have 10 to 12 episodes. Right. And so each, it, the, the production values, especially in the second season, and the way they put things together, it was like I was watching a mini-movie every yeah. episode. I agree with that. And... Uh, and I think that's what um, a lot the streaming services have really brought to entertainment. They're they're just saying, okay, go make your own show, do it the way you want. You know, you can either have ten episodes or twelve episodes, um, and do it this way. And I think we really I don't Legion isn't streaming, but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the network television shows are picking up that kind of sensibility. No, I agree. Yeah, that is one. Now they have been nominated or won a few awards as well, I believe. With I don't remember if it was Emmys or Golden Globes or what. Yeah. It's a, it's a critical darling as well. So. Well, it's um, the dialogue. I am a sucker for good dialogue. Yeah. Total sucker. And the dialogue on that is just fast and quotable and, you know, everything. And the I wasn't as pleased with the emotional arc in season two as I was in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, that the dialogue, uh, the people, the world that they've built for Ms. Maisel will keep me coming back. Um, but that's why I'm also a sucker for Legends of Tomorrow, which is my go-to, <laughs> oh my God, so silly, so happy show. So did you I, check out, we did, we uh, talked to the writer's room, uh, we did an interview with them back in, I guess it would have been April, right before the season finale. And, of course, they were not going to tell me anything, but it was fun to kind of <laughs> poke at a little bit. And, and they, one thing they did mention was that, uh, that the, the Christmas, it would have been Christmas 2017, so it's technically mm-hmm. outside the sphere of what we're talking about, but the Christmas episode with Bebo 
was a oh my god it was sitting on a yeah. shelf they had something else grand planned for that you know mid-season finale the christmas episode and for whatever reason they couldn't do it i don't remember if it was an availability issue if it was a resource issue but they couldn't do it so they all right let's go to the shelf and we're rifling through and we're like hey this is just weird enough let's make this let's retool it for christmas for bebo day and let's let's do this one and of course we all saw how that ended up at the end of that season. Um, and then, oh, I mean, that was just, like, tremendous. And then they just upped the ante by throwing in the magical characters. Yes. Um, and, and again, yeah, which, and we talked to the writer's room right before the uh, season premiere, and that was one of the questions I asked was, do you feel that you need to or that you should plumb the depths of, you know, DC's pantheon of magical creatures and they said no we're just going to have fun and and they know kind of their role in this you know, on the television landscape and in that dc tv universe and they're just having a great time and i think it comes across every week on the screen i mean the the finale that we just watched the sirens the <laughs> space time you know which was the charlie's angels thing and then yeah. they didn't you know the a team but just the throwaway stuff like, yeah it's just, you know, like Rory ends up going off with the fairy godmother for a life of crime <laughs> yeah, after she's turned good. them into puppets. I mean, just, that's my go-to happy show. I know we talked about it last episode, but I'll be very, very sad when it gets canceled because I suspect it'll be the first one to get canceled. Yeah, I think so. <sighs> Make me sad. Yes, it's that's great. Sad. And to see, what is it, his uh, Garima, his creation. <laughs> they they keep. I, I'm waiting for the inevitable, like, tie-in book that they'll debut at the cons this summer when the show's off the air that it, somebody needs to write mixed book that he's been writing the whole time with Garima. Oh, me, me, pick me. I can Go write for it. <laughs> do it. Please do it. But, <laughs> but the problem is, the problem is it's got to be real. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's got to be real shallow because apparently it's really trashy, but you just can't put it down from what all the characters say every scene that they have somebody reading his book. But, so. You know, I think somebody just loved John Carter of Mars. Yeah. Because the book just sounds like John Carter of Mars. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Or Princess of Mars, which is the first book, mm -hmm. you know. And, yeah. you know, of course, John Carter ends up getting, you know, they they had so much fun on that show. Um, but, you know, a couple of my favorites almost got canceled this year. Well, Timeless did get canceled, but yeah. they finally gave us a finale. Yes. A very worthy finale. Um, so if anybody out there is looking for another good time travel show, Timeless is has a has a finale. You won't be left hanging. Go watch it. It's very good. They do stuff. Um, they handle some of the racial attitudes. I think much better than Legends does. Yes, I agree. And um, and they really brought it nicely home. Do you feel like for a while there we were living in you know peak vampire and you know vampires were everywhere on tv and in movies and in books and then for a while it was zombies do you feel like now we're like in time travel that's kind of the fad now because we've mentioned timeless we've mentioned krypton obviously legends of tomorrow it feels like this is like you know you know how the things you know it cycles and whatnot and it just well like and, and we're gonna get that you you know, with Endgame, Avengers Endgame, right. we're going to get a, a universe reset. Right. Well, and, and I mean, yeah, we just talked about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. So it feels like that's the thing right now is time travel. It feels like. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, 
it creates a good conflict for riders to handle when everybody is out of place. Right. The conflict kind of writes itself. But, yeah, we're definitely in – well, Timeless is probably not coming back, so that's one down. Yeah. Um, but Flash is – seriously double down on the time travel <laughs> yeah. over and over. Yeah. And and now I think Green Arrow's doing flash forwards and um Supergirl is pretty much state in the present day. And um, let's talk about there's another CW show that I know made your list as well that debuted in twenty eighteen. Do you want to talk a little bit about Black Lightning? Well, first I have to talk I was one of the kids who bought the first issue of Black Lightning off the spinner rack. Wow. And it blew me away. I mean, um, it's really clear, crisp, clean art. It it had a character who wasn't like any of the usual characters. Um, You know, it just... um, Jefferson Pierce is sort of my go-to favorite type of fictional character, which is the protector character. Right. Which is, you know, um, not the... The young man coming of age character, which is another reason I was looking at Krypton going, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Um, but he's the older character. He's the protector character. He's maybe got a few miles on him. And I thought, oh, I can't wait to see the show. And I thought the first season was really brilliant. I agree. Uh, they handled a lot of racial issues. Um, they handled the choices you make about being heroes. They handled the relationship with the ex-wife and the daughters and the uh, thunder becoming a hero, and I love the way her sister calls her Harriet. Uh, (laughs) About, you know, everything was great about season one, except that maybe I thought they lost the thread of the plotting arc. You know, how were they going to get Tobias Whale? And I think you can see those cracks grew larger in the second season. Yeah, I agree. Where, like... Uh, I can't really tell what Tobias is doing. He doesn't really have a clear arc except to show up and be menacing. Yes. And, you know, some things will come out of nowhere, like, oh, here's this new random assassin with knives. The plotting, the character stuff is still very strong. The plotting stuff is sort of all over the place. I agree with that. And, yeah, I think that did start in season one for a while. Once... Once he got shot, and was it his sister that was killed in season one? Once that happened, and he was gone for a few episodes, mm-hmm. I, he when he came back, I really didn't care at that point anymore. You know what I mean? It was like, well, let's get back to the good stuff, and less of this, more of more of these, this family over here. Yeah, I think we'll get more of a payoff at the end of the season mm-hmm. because they've got a lot of things they're juggling. Uh, the kids from that. Pods were in, uh, were given powers by Greenlight that right. Lynn was trying to save. Um, you know, they've got Khalil's arc. Uh, we're trying to get away from Tobias. They've got Jennifer's arc with realizing how she can handle it. But I think it'll all come together at the end, but right now it feels very uneven and very random. You know, maybe they've just gotten too far away from Jefferson himself. Yeah. Perhaps. That's one of the risks you run in a big ensemble like that is that you got to remember it's called Black Lightning. You've got to get back to your core character, your title character at some point. There, yeah. uh, there were a few shows actually that had suffered for talking about uneven pacing and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. One of those that I like to credit for starting that problem over on Netflix was Daredevil was season two, which was not 2018. It was the season prior. They did mm-hmm. one of these things where the first half of the season is about the Daredevil and the Punisher. And then the second half of the season was about 
Daredevil and Elektra, and it felt really bad. It felt like they had, should have had two separate seasons. Rather mm-hmm. than one 13 episode season, they should have done two eight episode seasons and fleshed it out a little bit, and it would have been better. So I was a little unsure what to expect when Daredevil Season 3 came out, but that was far and away probably, for me, the best season of a Marvel show on Netflix because it heavily featured Wilson Fisk, and that is a role that Vincent D'Onofrio was born to play. Just watching him on screen, it could and again, it's Daredevil. You've got to get back to your title character, but it could. It was the Wilson Fisk show for Daredevil season three, and it was absolutely fantastic to watch. He just he's he's menacing, and you start to feel sympathy, and then he pulls something terrible, and it's just his portrayal of that character is absolutely fantastic. Probably the best portrayal of Wilson Fisk I've ever seen. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I avoided Daredevil Season 3 because it seemed like everybody was in a horrible place and mm-hmm. I had no expectation of them getting out of the horrible place. Right. So I still haven't watched Daredevil Season 3. They go through uh, a lot of hell before they wrap up the season and the season is not nice and tidy at the end. There's not a nice big bow on it that says, okay, but but it is a season that... Feels, so when you let me finish ask it, you it feels a question. Good. Yeah. If this is a bleak season, what made you connect to this as opposed to Jessica Jones season two? This was which you felt because was without this, hope. This was a bleak season, but you had a character in a dark place that was punching up towards optimism, and you had supporting characters that remained optimistic foggy does not get corrupted whereas like i said trish malcolm there i felt like there was no good character left in jessica jones and by good i don't mean like you know hey buddy positive optimism but i just felt really i felt like i needed to take a shower after every episode to wash the grime off of me whereas with daredevil you got you know, Foggy is the angel on his shoulder, and the Daredevil is the devil on Matt's other shoulder. And it was a good dynamic to watch. And then, like I said, just the whole the whole season of Wilson Fisk was absolutely fantastic. They did uh, a proto Bullseye character in a really interesting way. It I was expecting not to like this, especially with what we've gotten recently from Marvel and Netflix. But this, I think, was one of the better seasons. It was a person pulling themselves up from a bad spot. And I felt like at the end of it, you got the payoff that that you had been building towards for 13 episodes. Whereas with Jessica Jones, I didn't feel that way. I felt like, oh, man, that was it. I'm feeling really bummed now. Well, I feel like you would really watch Winona, love Winona Earp, too, because she... What you just described is kind of her arc right. through the entirety of the series. She's a really screwed up, flawed character, um, you know. And um, you know, every season they've sort of upped the problems um, with her. Like the end of last season was just heart wrenching. She, she gives up her baby for adoption mm-hmm. because she knows while she's the herb heir killing revenant, she can never give a stable life 
for this baby. Right. And she knows what it's like to have a crazy mom and a dad who's like going around killing revenants. Right. Um, and that's heartbreaking. And what they did is they took that heartbreak for her and Doc Holliday and they brought it through the entire season. And it informs um, the way they each make choices in season three. Yeah, you are probably the biggest cheerleader for that show that I know personally, but there are a few other people that I know that watch it and absolutely love that show. So it's just one I just well, have not gotten to for whatever reason. Well, it's a lot of fun. You know, again, it has the snarky dialogue. It's right. super quotable. But then it get also gets super very deep emotionally, mm-hmm. and I love the sister bond. It does have some problems with random plot elements being thrown out. Right. Without too much setup, um, but I I just love spending time with all the characters, and I feel like they really leveled up as far as plotting from season one to season two, and now season three, where they didn't stick with the same big bad, where they finally confronted the big bad who, who put the curse on the Earth in mm-hmm. the first place. Um, so. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm a big cheerleader for the show. I probably feel very proprietary to it because I read the comic <laughs> right. uh, back when nobody was talking about the comic. And uh, so. Well, that like, will make yeah. it. That's a good segue to my probably my last actual series as a whole, uh, which is one that I absolutely fell in love with the Archie Madhouse, Archie horror stuff they started doing back in 2013, I want to say. Uh, you know, with Afterlife with Archie, and then, of course, the chilling adventures of Sabrina. So I was interested in seeing what they would do um, when they brought this. I know originally they had talked about it was going to be a Riverdale spinoff, which I wasn't so keen on because Riverdale is not an Archie horror show, mostly. Um, but they have, again, you talked about how it seems like the streaming services are getting a little more rope to swing from and they had went all out with chilling adventures of sabrina that is an absolutely fantastic show to watch yes it's you know about you know it, it's about everything that every other story is about it's about a girl who is in two worlds and doesn't belong in either and she's coming of age as a young woman and and it's it, it is a absolute i can't wait till my daughters are just a little bit older so they can sit down and watch it because it is fantastic to watch i mean there are i mean there are issues here and there but for the most part it was one of my favorite debuting series in 2018 have you had a chance to sit down and watch any of it no my son who's 23 just Mm -hmm. finished binging binging it yeah and it's been telling me about it, and I've been I've been saying, well, it's perfect casting because that uh, you know Kiernan Shipka, she was amazing in Mad Men. Yes, I mean, and she she's was, fantastic. And I thought this. This, uh, th- she's going to have a character or uh, a career like Elizabeth Moss, who started out as mm-hmm. like a much younger actor. Yeah, no, back I agree. She's and, fantastic, uh, and it sounds like they are trying to capitalize on her youth. They have filmed season two and they've already went ahead and ordered and are moving forward on production on seasons three and four so she's not 30 when she's trying to be a teenager still so that's good um but yeah it is a fantastic show that is one i have a feeling that when you sit down and watch it you're absolutely gonna love it as well just knowing a little bit about your sensibilities as i do Well, my son was just cracking up, and he started quoting me to it. And I'm like, no, I watch it. <laughs> well, and, and Patricia Clarkson is an absolutely 
heartbreaking and or I'm sorry, is it Miranda Otto? I forget. I get those two confused all the time. I think it's Miranda Otto actually who plays one of the ants and she is just magnificent on screen because she's she's playing the disciplinarian role and yet her she's doing it from a place of love but more almost a place of guilt and it's just it's heartbreaking to watch some of her scenes it's just it's it's a good show uh speaking of i will throw one more thing out there luke cage season two was not very good but every scene that alfrey woodard was in was fantastic i don't know how she did not get nominated for an emmy for her role in Luke well, Cage's she was in a two. Marvel show, you know. I know, but anybody that sits down and watches that, I mean, her show, her role is about her, she has a daughter who is a product of rape by her uncle, and just her performance was, you know, it was just, it was heartbreaking to watch. Again, I don't know, and at the same time, she's got that going on. She is absolutely chaotic evil, <laughs> to use a D&D term. She is just the most villainous, strong black woman. I mean, it was just, oh my God. I, I I just, I loved her performance in Luke Cage season two. And that's really the only thing I liked about Luke Cage season two, but she was absolutely fantastic in that show. Did you, well, you know, did you I watch remember, any of it? I had, you know, one of the ways I find time to do my fiction writing is not to watch TV. Oh I, yeah. Well, so anything that I don't have to absolutely watch, I don't end up watching. Um, but I know Alfrey Woodard from way back. Mm-hmm. Um, she was brilliant on this very short uh, character arc on Hill Street Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that's how long she's been brilliant. Right. Um, no, it's not a new thing. It was just so unexpected on that show that when she's on there and doing her thing, it's just like, whoa, what is this? She was fantastic. Yeah. Now, on the flip side of that, though, as we <laughs> transition, let's talk about some of the things from 2018 that maybe we didn't like so much on television. Um, do you want to start, or shall I? Sure. I just, I've just i been watching Vikings, which I don't know if it's a geeky show, but I think it qualifies. It's geeky enough it's, for us, yes. It's basically historical fantasy. Right. And I've been watching it from the beginning, and it's one of those shows... That doesn't spoon feed you, right? In that you're not always sure why certain characters are making the decisions that they make, but it feels so lived in that you follow them and try to figure them out, right? Which is the uh, attraction for me. Like, why did they do that? Who is this? Why are they connected? Uh, you know, what do they feel? It is not a show that is going to tell you these characters are feeling this way, or he must have the thing because of this thing. It's, um, it's you know, just really in-depth performances. They have some great battle sequences. There was seasons ago when they took Paris, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was as good as anything that's been done on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, especially some of the sea battles. But this season, you know, they've always played fast and loose with history, but sometimes they have... This season, there was a bishop who was involved with our good shield maiden, Lagatha, who I love. Yeah. And he said he couldn't have a woman because he was a bishop, and it was just like, no, no, no. The not getting married Catholic priest thing didn't come along for like 400 years. Right. <laughs> and it was so far off, but also I wasn't quite sure what the point of that relationship was, and it's just sort of, it feels like the characters have sort of fallen apart 
Yeah. Um, the last two seasons and just random things happen randomly and they seem to change their minds from rather than getting a character arc. So, uh, you know, I'm still watching. I can't look away, but. And then Game of Thrones, which all I have to say is <laughs> those dragons must have been from Pern because they can teleport from one end of Westeros to way the other end. They just and fly back again really, really fast. Nothing, to see nothing of how uh, the. The Ravens must have been hit with the speed force, you know, yeah. to get their little message back. I mean, it just was so ridiculous. And I know some people love it, but that show... Well, as fast as those dragons have to be flying, you would think she would get off her dragon looking a little bit more windblown or windburnt <laughs> instead of perfectly quaffed, you know, white hair and... It's like, yeah, I no. <laughs> Have you not ridden on the back of a motorcycle just going I mean, there were, 60? There were a few other things, like the Arya, Sansa, are they going to turn against each other? But they were, like, setting them up, and then, of course, they had them turn on Baelish at the end. But mm-hmm. it didn't, the way they set it up didn't even really make any sense. <laughs> it, you know, it felt yeah. like, all right, we have to get to the point where it's a surprise they're both turning on Baelish. That's my general problem. They know the point they want to get to in that show, right. but how they get there is so ridiculous that I just go, I have no idea why this show keeps getting nominated for Emmys. I have no idea. It feels yeah. like they're always trying to trump Ned Stark getting his head cut off in the first season. You know what I mean? Like they're just trying to throw, or the Red Wedding, or what I mean, which I know those are in the books, which is a whole nother ball of... <laughs> well, I do Whatever, read the books. But, yeah. the, the books have the depth of characterization right. and the world building that I really enjoy. And this is just like this big fighting show with people doing things because the plot says they have to do. Yeah. Also, the dragons are cool. Yeah, so. they are. Especially, the well, okay, no spoilers. Well, I will tell you, I don't, one of the shows I don't watch anymore, but I keep up, there are a lot of shows, like you, I can't watch everything I want to watch on TV, but there are some shows that because of where they are in pop culture, you kind of, you know what's happening, and one of them for me is The Walking Dead. I haven't watched it in seasons, years, but when you know something's coming, I will force myself to sit down and watch that episode, and Unfortunately, I watched the episode in 2018 where Carl died, finally, (laughs) because it took the entire episode. It was, oh, it was so bad. He just kept, every scene, it was like we had to go through the entire cast and let everybody say goodbye to the poorly acting, dying Carl. And then once everybody said goodbye, he still wasn't dead, even though he should have. It was just really, really poorly done. And I know they hung their hat on, hey, everybody come back and watch this. But if you look at the numbers since that episode, a lot of folks didn't come back. (laughs) It was really badly done. Uh, So I thought you were going to say the bit about, yeah, this is where Rick dies. Oh, psych! Not really dead. I think that's the thing is after Carl's, issue nobody came back to watch rick's non-death either because the numbers have been down so much this season but i think yeah well that is that is its show and it's you know there are some folks that like it and good for you continue to like it as long as you have it because it probably won't have that much more of it uh did you watch castle rock at all over on hulu no okay well as a big as a big stephen king fan i felt like i needed to 
And mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, we do podcasts, and I listen to the podcasts that Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin do. And uh, Mark was one of the writers on Castle Rock, so I kind of felt obligated, like this should be good. And it came to the point where it took six episodes for it to get good, and there were only ten episodes in the season, and. Episode nine was a self-contained episode, so you really <laughs> only got like two good episodes. And then, like all Stephen King works, it really didn't end very well. They just kind of ran out of time in the season, so I felt kind of cheated. <laughs> I want my ten hours back. Actually, I just want like seven of them back because there were like two good episodes in there. Well, I'll tell you what I didn't watch. Years ago, there was a Stephen King miniseries show called The Golden Years. Yes. In which the janitor, you know, was elderly and then got aged back down to a young man. Right. Which was a great concept. And so my husband and I sat down with it. It was really slow moving. But then it seemed like it was getting good, and then it just fell apart. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be super wary of anything with Stephen King's name on it as far as television goes. Yeah. Well, and he had nothing to do with it. It felt like they were trying to do an homage, and there were lots of Easter eggs and references, but unfortunately they really hit it right on the head. It felt like a Stephen King thing in that it, although his stuff gets you hooked earlier. I mean, like I said, it was six episodes before it was finally like, okay, now we're going somewhere. Now we're doing something. And then, like I said, episode episode six, seven, eight, we're like, okay, forward momentum is good. And then nine was completely self-contained, and then ten just kind of fell off the cliff. And mm-hmm. Yeah. But if it sounds like they're doing a second season, and it sounds like it's going to be more of an anthology type thing, so hopefully they've learned some lessons. We'll see. I'll probably watch it. Um, I did. I was one of the suckers that got DC's uh, DC Universe streaming service. So I did mm-hmm. catch Titans. I came in late so that I could binge it at the end. I did not want to pay for, <laughs> you know, three months of one episode at a time. Right. And so I did watch it. And uh, have you have you seen it at all? No, I mean, I've seen the stills. My my yeah. thought on a streaming service is I want to hear something is super really good. Yeah. And one of these shows may turn out to be mm-hmm. that Swamp good. Thing, probably. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I'm thinking Doom Patrol, maybe? No, well, okay, there's an episode. I this for Doom Patrol. It could I do be too. just sort of so odd. But I'm not going to pay for it until I find out. Yeah. Until I have something I know is really good to watch. And I haven't. I've heard a few people say they kind of like Titans, and I've heard of, uh, more than a few people think that the actress who played Starfire sort of steals all the scenes she did. Yes, absolutely. But it's not been enough to get me to pay for it. I got it beca- when I did because it was, I think it was the last episode of Titan was coming out, and it was a couple of weeks before Young Justice returned, and that was what I was buying for. So I got it early enough where I could finish, I could watch Titans and see. But and there are aspects of it that are good. There are aspects of it that are okay, and there is a whole lot of not good at all. So that's not one I would run out and get the service for. They do have a couple episodes featuring the Doom Patrol. Um, they are not the strongest episodes in the season. <laughs> Part of that might be just because they are just kind of incidental characters, just setting up another series. Maybe the Doom Patrol series will be better, but. It just doesn't look, it doesn't look right, and it's not. And I don't know how to 
qualify that. I don't know how to explain that, but it just does not look good. To me, it sounds like they took a series that was so bright and full of color, like mm-hmm. the George uh, Perez, Marv Wolfman Titans, right. which is, it has all these dark themes in it, but it's bright and full of color and about the relationships. And just the way it was shot, yeah. You know, the dark colors. and I mean, you're not making Daredevil here. And yeah. there's, maybe they were trying to imitate uh, Daredevil or the Netflix shows and go dark. But I, if they want to go dark, they should have done Sandman Mystery Theater. Yeah. Or, you know, I could throw... Or, or any number or John of John Jones, yeah. you know, 1950s Private Eye, who's also an alien. I yeah. mean, so much you could do dark with those shows and noir with those. But Titans... And it's not even yeah. dark. It's it's just gratuitous. It's not even dark because of reasons that, that I can't think of. It's just it's just like this is what the cool kids say and do and watch. So let's make that show. And unfortunately, the kids aren't watching it at all because it's gratuitously over the top. But but <laughs> the actress that plays Starfire and the actress that plays Raven does a good job the actress who plays starfire absolutely steals the scenes there is some good hawk and dove stuff in there which i wasn't expecting um but but boy it was just overall not not worth the price of admission and that leads me to my last one you know iron (laughs) fist season two was better than season one and you can take that however you want I only made it to episode five of season one until I just went. Yeah. Ah, season two is a little bit. You know better. how to plot or write characters, and I give up. But uh, yeah. what you told me about the ending might actually cause me to watch the last two episodes of season of two. Season two. Yeah, the and you know, if you really just want to skip to the very end, that's okay because that's really all that's worth it. And then I'm kind of i mean you hate to see anything go because there are a lot of people that work on these shows and i'm sure some of them will get picked up for other work but yeah i'm kind of glad it got canceled because the way they ended it like straight up ended it if they were going to continue the danny Rand story it really was not i don't know the best parts of that show have absolutely nothing to do with the title character and again we've talked about (laughs) that a little bit on this on this episode but when your title character is the least interesting character in the series, then you've got mm-hmm. issues. Right, exactly. So let's transition over and talk a little bit about what it is that we are most excited for, most anticipating on television in 2019. And we're kind of into 2019, but um, what is coming up that you are excited about? And if I had to guess... I'll bet some of it has to do with what you were excited about in 2018. <laughs> well, first of all, um, Project Blue Book, um, which I have on my DVR and I haven't watched yet, mm-hmm. but it stars the actor who played Baelish on Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's his and, name? Yeah, um, I know who you're talking about. And, and it looks fascinating. If they make it like a paranoid 1950s show, mm-hmm. it could be really interesting. Um, so I, I have to watch that. Winona Earp, of course, uh-huh. but I don't know when that's coming back. I don't know if Krypton, too, has a date yeah, yet. Yeah, they haven't announced know, the date yet. But I know Lucifer is coming soon, and, you know, that was a show that was canceled that I was just... <gasps> they finally got to the thing where she realizes he's actually the fallen angel. And, right. And they had a terrific finale, and then it... it they were like, oh, you're canceled. I'm like, no. 
but they're doing it on Netflix, so I think it's Netflix. Yes, so. it is. How was so, I, so, I haven't watched the last I I watched part of the first season and I liked it. I just mm-hmm. ran out of time in the day. I was curious how is Tom Welling in it because I love the fact that he's doing something again because <laughs> I liked him in Smallville. You know, it's funny. Should I spoil? All right. You can well, spoil. He, I, yeah, it's on Netflix. He um, he plays Kane yes. of Kane and Abel fame, mm-hmm. and um, you don't know that right away. But eventually, Lucifer figures out who he is pretty fast, and um, he has a couple of really good lines about killing Abel. He's like. You get it now. Everybody thinks I'm the asshole, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it was Abel, you know. So he has some really good lines, and he's an ambiguous character. So if you like Tom Welling, but you don't, and you don't mind him being kind of villainous. Yeah, I like the I, fact I, that I thought yeah, he was, he's stretching a little. Uh, I thought he was very good. Um, the show's gotten a m- more emotionally complex, and they kind of got away a little bit from the crime of the week thing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, they just, they canceled it just when it was leveling up to the whole, how does Chloe deal with Lucifer thing, so. Very good. Yeah, yeah. I, I was happy, again, I you hate to see any, even if I don't like a show, I hate it when shows get canceled, and so I'm glad mm-hmm. that something that, you know, and especially if it's a geeky property, if it's, you know, if it comes from mm-hmm. comics or whatever, it's kind of feel a little more protective of those things. But uh, yeah, I'm glad that they, they got picked up. I don't know how long it'll last on Netflix, but I'm glad they're at least doing another season. So that's good. Um, yeah, those that we've mentioned, uh, again, Sabrina, season two, um, Young Justice, Outsiders, like I mentioned, I picked that up uh, because we absolutely mm-hmm. loved that show when it was on back in whenever it was on the Cartoon Network. Um, and Legion, like I said, season three of that. I'm excited to see uh, what there's that whole, you know, is it good that Disney owns everything? Um, probably not for a lot of reasons, but I'm kind of excited to see what they do with their Disney Plus streaming service, particularly the live action Star Wars and Marvel series that they've announced, um, getting the, you know, film actors to reprise their roles yeah that that sounds probably in the total minority and then i'm not that thrilled the beginning of loki series well it depends on what they do if yeah loki depends on what they do but to me loki is is the mass murderer right and and loki is the i mean he's loki he's a nancy he's bugs bunny he shouldn't be the main character he needs to be the one instigating it depends on what they create around him Right. And there's a lot of Norse mythology they could do with it, and yep. there's a lot of stuff they could do with his gender-fluid identity, which, mm-hmm. you know, a part of me thinks one of the reasons uh, Tom Hiddleston decided to do it is that maybe he doesn't have as big a role in the series, right. so he can do other stuff. Yep. Um, but, you know, or maybe he's in it all the time. Sorry, Tom fans, I didn't mean <laughs> to suggest he might not be in it all the time. Um, but Loki doesn't need to be in it in that form right. all the time. Loki can be whatever in it. So mm-hmm. I, I, the fact that I mean, yes, it's Disney, so they're not getting free reign. But the fact that they're able to explore some of the other parts of the universe or parts of the galaxy, if we're talking about the Star Wars series that they're looking at, um, I'm I'm excited to see what happens. Um, I am excited to see what James Wan has put together with Swamp Thing on the DC universe. Um, because it sounds like it is going to be 
It sounds like they are not very concerned or concerned at all about creating a unified story universe on that app, even okay. though Titans and Doom Patrol have some connective tissue. Um, it sounds like they're letting him make a horror series with those characters, with you know the the dark you know that corner of the DC universe. So I'm excited to see what they do with that because James Wan can be direct. interesting. Swamp Thing to me though. It's the same problem you have with Frankenstein's monster. Right. It's just how much can you do with them? And now the comics went into the Parliament of Trees and the mythology and protecting the earth and everything, but you really have to have an incredible imagination to come up with a really good season-long arc for Swamp Thing. To me, he works best as more of a supporting character, so we'll see what they do. One of the things I I hope they do... Go ahead, yeah they do is challengers of the unknown which they could do pretty much anything with. <laughs> yeah this is true i kind of hope that with swamp thing that they treat the character as a force of nature no pun intended that is mm-hmm. off screen most of the time mm-hmm. and when his presence is felt in an episode it is immediate and swift and brutal and then he's gone again and they treat it almost like you know don't make him the main character which again i know we talked about the title character thing but if it's if they use that character correctly it could be a Mm -hmm. good series if it is we're inside his head the entire time then yeah that's gonna be a long 10 13 episodes i agree well you know what i would really love to see that i don't see on the pipeline at all especially after Into the Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. I want more animated series, good animated series. I mean, aside from Young Justice Outsiders. Right. Um, years ago, before Iron Man, I was of the opinion that there hasn't been a live-action movie that has been better than the comics right. stories. And that was not taking away from any of the uh, live-action or people who love that. It's just... Superheroes, to me, are a medium that works so well in comics because you can just go crazy with the imagination in it, and you right. can't really do that. I mean, even look at Thanos, and they did a heroic job making him a real character with the CGI. Right. But he doesn't compare to the menace of Wilson Fisk in Into the Spider-Verse. Right. No, I agree. Um, he doesn't compare to the menace of Wilson Fisk in Daredevil Season 3. <laughs> Yeah, well, right, but I mean, the way Spider-Verse uses panels, uses uh, flashbacks, uh, Mm -hmm. the way they had the thing exploding with the interdimensionals and the glitches and everything. Right. um, Those are things, explosions, we've had enough superhero movies where they look so (laughs) similar. Yeah. Because they're limited, because they're limited to what looks real. Right. Animation is not limited to what looks real. I would really like to see someone go to town with something with animation. I mean, Young Justice is good, but they're they're gonna. It's gonna be a nice superhero show. Yeah, a very good superhero show. I want to see someone really take something like Spider Verse and turn it into a series that's that imaginative and that uh, you know doesn't feel bound by the rules of what could be real. Yeah, and what no, I agree. Be, do you feel you know, like... like a Batman series based on Kelly Jones's art, um, you know, and surrealness and, and, and all that. And we haven't seen a lot of that. 
Do you feel yeah. like Spider-Verse was Lord and Miller kind of flipping the bird to Disney <laughs> after the solo debacle? <laughs> They're like, you know what, then? We're not going to do anything formulaic on this one. We're going to go <laughs> all out. We're going to leave it all on the screen and screw you guys for firing us. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm sure they, they never that said mind. that. But. I mean, I think a little bit, maybe, like we know what we're doing, but... I also think the 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 different properties were all there to yeah. be used as well, and they were clearly everyone involved in that movie just loved all these characters to pieces, um, you know. And uh, it's made it's made Spider-Man fans, you know, my my twins were nineteen, and we're never that very interested in Spider-Man comics at all. Yeah, no, my kids have picked up Spider-Man comics since seeing that film as well, so. It's good, and there's so many layers to that property, into that particular story, into those characters. It, it was, yeah, they did a good job. The last one I'm going to mention that I'm excited for in 2019 is the third season of Stranger Things, and I'm excited because they are going to have to do something different, and I'm excited to see what that is because they've, you know, they they've got they've kind of written themselves into a corner. I feel like a little bit, and I'm excited mm-hmm. to see how they write themselves out of it. Oh, hopefully. Yeah. Well, there's the other option <laughs> where you don't get out of the corner, but I I think <laughs> I feel like there's enough that first season had so much imagination that I feel like there's enough there. And according to rumors or whatnot, they have apparently enough ideas at least outlined to get through what five or six seasons. And in order to do that, you've got to get out of the third season. So I'm excited to see what they do to get but out of the third I season. I think you have to you have to level up if you're going to have that many seasons. You've got to yeah. you know kick over the table yep. and do something different. Um, you know, the British form of TV is is basically like, yeah, we're going to make this show. If you guys like it, maybe we'll make another one. Maybe yeah. we told the story we want, like and, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we'll come back sometime, maybe. The, yeah, talk about what happened with Sherlock. But, yeah. Um, so sometimes things go on too long right. or they don't have a good idea for season two. Um, you know, that's why I liked Winona Earp because they did do that. And that's why I was so in love with Person of Interest because it, it just, you know, shifted right. and morphed every season. Um, so hopefully that'll happen with uh, Stranger Things for you. I think so. I think they realized that season two was too too similar to season one and I'm excited to see what they do with season three because I think they know they can't make that season an, another season like that again I think I'm hoping I could be wrong but mm-hmm. I hope I'm not I think that they know that they've got to step it up in this third season that's what I've got what are you, anything else for 2019 that you're looking forward to a Captain Marvel well yeah Marvel. If we're talking films too <laughs> We yeah. could do another hour and a half on just that. Well, we could do another hour and a half. I'm, you know, I'm surprised to bring an Agents of Shield back. Yes, to be honest, but I'm curious to see what they're going to do with it. Well, and, I'm excited uh, that they have decided to go with two short seasons. I know they filmed and produced it all at once, but the fact that they don't feel like we've got to do 26 episodes because mm-hmm. there's not a show on TV right now that I feel like is doing a good job of filling 26 episodes. The bet, no. the a lot of the shows that we've mentioned in our top 
you know, for 2018 were either streaming series that have, Mm -hmm. you know, eight to 13 episodes or like even Legends of Tomorrow, I think only has 16 or 18 episodes generally. Yeah, and I think the first season of Black Lightning, it was... It was 10, I think. Eight to 10. ten. Yeah, eight to 10, somewhere in that range, yeah. So the fact that they don't have, you know, they don't have time to fill with dead episodes, I think that's a good thing. We'll see. You know, I don't know quite what much TV is coming, but, you know, if you want to think ahead, I am going to Comic-Con this year out in San Diego. Oh, are you? Oh. Yeah. You're going to... So... Have you gone to San Diego Comic-Con before? I did go a couple of years ago. Okay. And it was amazing. Uh, It's the Geek Mardi Gras. Yeah, that that it is. That's good. I hope you... The whole city just basically turns into Comic-Con. I hope you feel just as excited when you come back. (laughs) Because I've in recent years, I've heard a lot of uh, negativity, but it may just be after you've done it a time or two, maybe that's why they're negative. I don't know. I've heard a few. I've heard that for the first time you go, it's absolutely amazing. It's like, you know, kid in the candy shop. It's like, you know, it's, it's Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. You have nerd stuff. But then mm-hmm. it seems like after people have gone two or three times, it's almost a chore <laughs> to go back. I don't know. Maybe it's just the well, people I'm de- talking to. It depends on what you're going there to see. Right. First, um, San Diego's a gorgeous place to have it. Oh, absolutely. And the whole, like I said, the entire, probably about five blocks up, six blocks wide, they just turn it into a block party, yeah. basically. Uh, even in the harbor, and, I know they got stuff going. Everybody's got their boats out there. Yeah, everybody's got their. So it depends on what you know. If you want to see stars, if you want to just people watch, um, you know, because I had a press pass too. So right, uh, you Which know, I a got a little bit yeah. more insider experience and a little more parties and stuff going on. So it it all depends on what you're going for. I would, certainly wouldn't recommend it as someone's first con. Yeah. It, it, now, you typically yeah. attend New York Comic Con, and everything I've heard is that that is the better of the two to go to anymore. But again, it could just be the people I'm talking to. But Well, the problem with New York Comic Con is, is it's at the Javits Center. And right. The Javits Center is just a big mess. You know, it feels like it feels very prison looking. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's very crowded. There's not, uh, there's not a good place to go eat. Um, you know, it's if you live in New York, the con itself experience is very is similar to what you'll get on the exhibit floor of San Diego. Right. And this, the panels are very similar. Uh, they're starting to do a few San Diego-like things, which is put some experience experiences in, like go see the Outlander house or, right. you know, but they're limited by space. Um, so, you know, and it's super crowded, even on Thursdays, which it didn't used to be. I think I, of, I'm very dated on New York. <laughs> I think part of what I'm hearing too is that a lot of the folks that I know that try to go to those comic cons, if it's a comic con, they want to see comic related, not comic adjacent, not comic adapted from, but comic people. And it feels like there's more of that scene in New York, it sounds like, from what I've heard. I've not well, gone to depends. either. So. You could go on the exhibit floor. Uh, when I was in San Diego, I talked to Leigh Hernandez, mm-hmm. um, who was there. Um, you know, she was talking about her work with My Little Pony. I talked to Dustin McGuinn. Um, so you can still talk to artists there. And then, you know, DC, I had some interviews set up. I talked to Christopher Priest, which was mm-hmm. amazing. 
Oh yeah, he's. Uh, He's but that's, that's not, you're not going to get that if you just buy a ticket. Right. But, uh, I mean, one year at New York, I interviewed Darwin Cook, which was and you know, wonderful. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but in New York, you can still actually go down the artist alley and just sit and chat with probably your favorite artist. That's what I, mean, I like what... about some of the bigger, smaller cons, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Some of the regional ones, like, you know, your Baltimore Comic Con or your Emerald City or Denver Comic Con, a lot of those, because they are bigger, so they can draw some named individuals, but they're not so big that you can't just sit and chat and talk to folks. I mean, it's I, I tend to gravitate more towards those than the ones that are overwhelmingly big, but that's maybe that's just my personality. Well, they're all getting pretty big. I mean, there's one <laughs> yeah. Comic-Con in Boston where I spent an hour talking to Scott Snyder, mm-hmm. right? Batman and now Justice League, just talking comics with him. Yeah. And, you know, he had a line, but it wasn't that bad. Um, and now they've moved over to the big Expo Center. And, um, you know, I went there, not last year, but the year before. And it was, again, super crowded. They'd squished Artist Alley. So, you know. It, I feel it's sad that they, that seems like Artist Alley is always the first to get crunched, too. It does. I mean, I am not into autographs. Right. And I'm into meeting cast members to find out their creative process. Right. And writers. But I'm not, you know, into, oh, my God, you play my favorite character. Right. Which is cool if you're into that, but I'm not. So a lot of the whole autograph scene is a little bit lost on me. Yeah. No, I've had some great conversations with both big and small celebrities in their various fields that you just, you just, it's just fun to have. You just, you never know what you get when you walk into a con. There's always, seems like there's Mm -hmm. always that one person that's there to talk to people and have a good time. And for whatever reason, you connect somehow. And so you'd see them all three days or whatever. And they've always got a Mm -hmm. good word to say. And and then they're the ones that they're there (laughs) just to, to fulfill the contract and get the hell out. But. Yeah, it could be. I mean, when I was in San Diego, that was the first year Winona Earp was um, airing. Uh-huh. And I remember all the other press uh, geek dads who were attending were like, what is that show? And I'm like, it's mine. It's a press <laughs> thing. It's mine. You guys have and other places to announced, be. Yeah. And they announced the press thing, and I got to go, and I got to talk to them. And I, I know Bo Smith a little bit. And so it was really good to see him. And then I went to the panel after where they announced the uh, the renewal. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was in the crowd when everybody first heard. And I think that's the kind of communal experience you can get yes. at a con still that you can't get by not going. But it's not always something you can plan. Right. Yeah, you don't happen to know on which panel when they're going to have good news or or what, you're right. Uh, when they're going to, like they did, uh, they premiered the Doctor Who panel at New York Comic Con. Yes. Uh, they had it in the theater. And I didn't realize that not only did they have the, the talent, Jody Whittaker and, and the writers and the creators, but they also were showing us simultaneously the premiere episode. Right. With the rest uh, of know. the world, yeah. Right. So you get to watch it with 6,000 people, which was, you know, so, yeah. if you're going to a con, you have to figure out what you want from it. That's what I say. <laughs> I think there is a episode somewhere down the line as far as con tips, survival guide, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> where we just get a bunch of con veterans on the line and just, what do you need? <laughs> Bring your own bottle of water. 
number one. <laughs> yes. Bring your own food, period. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, that's going to just about wrap it up for this episode. Uh, tell us what you think. What was it that you were most intrigued by, excited by? What was it in television and pop culture in 2018 that you enjoyed the most? And the flip side of that is, what is it that you're looking forward to most in 2019? Could be the shows we mentioned. It might be something we didn't mention but should have. Could be something that you absolutely love and you want to give a, put a little spotlight on it. Whatever it is, if we use your suggestions, we would love to give you a shout-out in our next episode once we figure out when that is. <laughs> you can hit us up on Twitter at... PGTC podcast that stands for Pop Goes the Culture podcast uh, at facebook.com slash Pop Goes the Culture podcast you can email us Pop Goes the email at gmail.com or you can call and leave a recorded message on our hotline it's 417-986-7842 and we would absolutely love to play your recorded messages in that next upcoming episode Links to all that and a whole lot more. We've been adding stuff constantly. It feels like that's all I've done this week is add more stuff <laughs> over at popgoestheculture.com. We've actually, I'll tell you what we've been doing. Uh, I've been reaching out to other podcasters and saying, you know, you've got a website. And I'm guessing if you're like us, nobody ever visits it. And most of them are saying, yep, pretty much. It's just there because we felt like we had to. So we're using popgoestheculture.com to kind of get everybody together. So we are calling out and spotlighting and highlighting tons of new you know, independent creators, whether you're a YouTuber, whether you're a podcaster, uh, artist, authors, whatever. So we are adding stuff all the time over there, trying to highlight the folks that are making entertainment and pop culture that have reasonable, have good, deep comments on pop culture and entertainment, whatever the case might be. If you're looking for something to do to spend a few hours probably if you want to go through it all head over to popgoestheculture.com we're having a lot of fun talking to folks and making friends and adding content and like i said just kind of using it to spread the love and help everybody out because rising tide raises all ships <laughs> that's going to wrap it up anything else you got for today no thank you for listening yeah absolutely guys we appreciate y'all listening make sure you comment whether on social media or email or call that hotline let us know what you think because like i said we would love to include all of you in our upcoming episodes so for pop goes the culture and geekdad.com i've been joey mills and i'm karina lawson and we will catch you all back here next time see you later This show has been brought to you by the Pop Goes the Culture Podcast Network. Find links to all of our podcasts and more at popgoestheculture.com.